Hey everybody, welcome back to the cast. This is our 50th episode. Can you believe it? 50 episodes of this program. And we're going to celebrate it by diving into a fairly spicy topic that's kind of relevant right now. And I honestly just can't believe that we haven't talked about it before this. So the views and opinions expressed on this program are those of myself and Pastor Mike and may not necessarily represent the views of C3KW. But with that being said, enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Mike. We are here on this beautiful April day. There's snow on the ground. <laughs> snow on the ground. Yeah. Um, Who ordered so, that? Yeah, I certainly didn't. Um, Mike, we got a hot topic to talk about today. It's on everyone's minds right now. And that is, of course, is this the end of the world? <laughs> are we living in the I end times? I have heard that. Yep. Yep. I've heard that. <laughs> so. Let's go to Revelation 9.17. turn in our Bibles here for a moment. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, For their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So clearly this is about the world right now in the year 2020. Um, You know, the plague of of fire, smoke, and sulfur, you know, things that inhibit breathing. That's obviously COVID. Um, And then... Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) the the rest of mankind who were were not killed by the plagues. So um, they didn't repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze. So that's obviously the stock market and the investors and the bankers who are the stock market is rising right now while people are uh, dying and facing unemployment. So that's, uh, it's very, you very clear. Yeah. This, this is very clear. It's right there in the scripture guys. It's just, what's happening right now was predicted. So, um, so how far off am I in my uh, interpretation of revelation there, Mike? Uh, I'm thinking you should write a book. Like you could, <laughs> you, you could make some money right now. Um, it, it's incredible how many, uh, how many uh, books on the end <laughs> It's because yeah. we all want to know, right? That's the thing. We, is we all want to know yeah. when we'll end, when, when our life will end. It's why we like fortune tellers. It's the same idea, right? We have this innate desire to know the future, to control the future ultimately is what we want. Because mm-hmm. if we feel like we know what's coming, we can be prepared properly, which is a fine desire, right? But it's actually more about that kind of soul-level desire to control outcome yeah right? the, the funny thing i've always uh noticed with kind of end times prophecies and stuff like that is like 
Um, they'll, they'll often concede that, yes, no one knows the day or hour of my return, as Jesus said. But the, the, the line of thinking is still, well, we can come pretty close. <laughs> well, because well, because he also says that you have to know the signs and times, and when the olive, you know, tree blossoms, and when the sparrow leaves or whatever, and and so there, it's people trying to read the signs of the times. Like I saw even a thing Emily shared it with me the other day of this girl who's you know famous author, written a lot of books, who said like it's COVID. There's these tornadoes. Like we got to read the signs. The end is coming, or kind of a thing. And I'm just like, okay, like like I, I get what you're trying to do, and. And again, there there'll, there'll be people who do interpret Revelation as a, um, f- generally speaking, a future prophetic book, um, as in like distant future from when John wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know there's like the lot left behind kind of crew, which is you know trying to really put into modern culture which country is represented by which symbol and, right. and blah blah blah. Then there's the ones who you know, kind of amillennials, reform guys who, like, just don't really see Revelation in that light, other than those explicit chapters of the end of the world kind of judgment, right? The right throne before Jesus, which obviously yeah. hasn't happened yet. And so there is there is obviously a, a wide range. And what I would say right now, if anyone is, like, fearing the end of the world, is... Um, it, it, it's kind of rebukish-ish, but... Here we go. It's, it's true. <laughs> is um, if we think all of a sudden now that our convenience and comfort is being targeted, that now it's the end of time, end of the world. Now it's the end times. Now God, like, then we are just so self-centered yeah. in our approach to life. Like the church has been in crisis for two thousand years. Like, like before pa- the pandemic hit, right? Our church was in Revelation first couple chapters. We put that series on pause for a while. We'll probably pick it up back. I don't even know when, but later. But we we've been going through some of those churches, right? And like the one church is all a letter, right? Of just you're persecuted, you're in pain. I know it, and that's yeah. basically all Jesus says: be encouraged, right? And um, in Smyrna, I believe. Um, and, and so. So, like, the church has been in, in crisis for a long time. The tribulation we've been living in, right? Like, it's not, like, it's not, yes, will the, there there be potentially this, like, future-oriented thing? Probably. Like, I think, like, when, when the summation or the consummation of all the plans of God come to be, like, it's going to be something that we can't fully grasp. Um, but, I don't know, like, people have been being, like, murdered and persecuted and... and everything you know since the beginning of the church that the tribulation that people tend to read about you know god's people being targeted in some way like this present moment is actually in that sense no different obviously the scope of this pandemic is unprecedented the yeah the the nature of this now again you know how it's gone to basically every country around the world and so i can see why people would read some of that stuff and be like well like look but the problem is right is the revelation john is an uh, is it's it's genre right is apocalyptic literature it's highly symbolized it's highly figurative it's 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 these visions right of a, as you just read a horse with a snake's tail like snake's head tail and and fire smoke and sulfur which are also images of judgment in hell in the bible um you know, being breathed out by the heads of lions on horses' bodies, like it's 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 very symbolic. Um, and I would argue the main thrust of Revelation 
is actually a letter from a pastor. Um, yes, given a, a direct vision from God, but about how to be ultimately faithful in a world of trial and tribulation, right? That yeah. we do know that, you know, Babylon was Rome, and we do know that, you know, well, a lot theorize that, you know, the, the, the mark of the beast and things like that can actually be referenced to Nero and different leaders doing crazy things to the church in certain times in history. And so um, are those who read Revelation as kind of blocks of church history? Well, yeah, I was actually in my study. It's fun that some people read kind of each of the three or the seven churches as different stages in church development mm. in the history of the church. And so that right. would get then repeated out into the rest of the chapters as well. And so all I would say is I don't think this is an end times moment in the sense of COVID hit and tornadoes hit, so all of a sudden God is like judging the world. I think right. Um, I think we live in a broken world. I think God knows what's up, and I think that we are we are one day closer to the end than we were yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> right. And <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how 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 that goes. And so I do not think that because the pain has hit close to the west, all of a sudden it's like it's the end. Yeah, because because no, that's so like. I don't know. To me, that, that it's just it's so, um, like just cultural centric and egocentric to think that like those being slaughtered around the world all of a sudden like that wasn't the end, but like now that we have to stay inside, you know, it's the end. And I say that obviously, you know, with a little bit of uh, um, how do how do I say it right? Um, with with just a little bit of of edge in me because yes, obviously. We do know the death toll. This thing is nuts. Like, and that's, I'm not trying to take away from that in in, in any way possible. Um, it's so sad. In fact, you know, people. Um, we just had a, a funeral today. You know, it wasn't because of of this, but um, and so just recognizing that 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 there is pain in in the world, and yeah, we got it. We got it. We this moment doesn't necessitate the judgment of God in the end times fashion. I would argue. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, there's a lot of imagery in Revelation talking about, you know, these calamities, I guess, happening in the world and, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, how much of it we're supposed to, you know, read into our cultural moment. Well, obviously, it's debatable. Um, but it seems like there's some things that there's some images that people do grab onto more than others. When you're, mm -hmm. when you're doing this. Um, and certainly a lot of people think the mark of the beast, you know, that is, that's a literal thing, you know, it, it, interestingly enough, a lot of the other stuff, yeah, figurative, but mark of the beast, no, that's for sure a literal mm -hmm. real thing that's going to happen. Um, and so like, what do we, what do you make of that? Do you, you, you referenced before um, it potentially being about member Nero, um, as far as the number of the beast, like it, you know, it literally his name adds up to six sixty six, yeah. I guess. And but you know, a lot of people theorize like right now there's a thing going on where uh, in Sweden a lot of people are getting microchipped in their hands, and you know you can buy and sell with that. And the the theory goes that you won't be able to buy and sell unless you have a microchip in your hand, or if you don't have a hand in your forehead. Um, and so. I don't know. Should should Christians be like, oh, I can't can't get a microchip in my hand? Like, I don't I don't want a microchip in my hand personally because that seems to violate all sorts of freedom thing. Freedom thing, yeah. Like that's just a scary notion. <laughs> yeah. Without the biblical imagery. Well, yeah. Like the the mark of the it's true, right? Like we will let 
as Christians, you know, the 144,000, you know, or the thousand years be like symbolic, but also like the mark of the beast. Well, that's definitely going to happen with some like tattoo on me. Yeah. Um, and the whole like chip thing that came, I believe, really from. I discovered the chip thing mainly from the the left behind stuff. Like that was kind of their theory, right? This yeah. chip that gets put in there, and um, and I have heard about all this stuff going on in in the world with this stuff, and kind of like the technocratic, you know, um, push down of of you know even even not just in the skin, but like different bracelets people like different countries want you to wear that track your movements yeah. and your temperatures and like everything going on and how much freedom are we living are we willing to give up for perceived safety like that's a whole other podcast and should we be like that and what is fear speaking to right now versus submission to the government but the mark of the beast is one that like i have as a younger kid worried about a lot like even the idea of like getting the chip and is that going to be the thing that puts me over the edge and now god can't save me and here's the thing right jesus didn't save me um because i have a chip in me or not Right, like yeah. the mark of the beast, right, is to mark those who are his, yeah, and who's are and who's are the Lord's, the kingdoms, like because the battle, like there's there's so much battle in 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 Revelation, right, and and I would say that the mark of the spirit, the mark of the mark of God, is is an eternal imprinted mark on me, like I am bought by yeah. him, and mm-hmm. in the sense, in that sense, like those who are of the world, those who are of uh, the beast, right they can have advantages and they can buy certain things and have access to certain markets and economic economic advantage because they are part of a different system. Yeah. And so you could argue that this is actually a symbolic understanding of who what world do we belong to, what mark do we yeah. have. Yeah, which right? god are we so, serving, I guess? Yeah. You know, if we're serving the god of mammon, then you know, we are gonna worship him with our hands and our minds. And we will be marked by that. Yeah. Right. And so again it's I've come to more settle in on that. Do I want, like, there is that little part of me that, that kind of like, you know, left behind reading part of my soul. Yeah. That's like, don't get the chip, don't get the chip. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just that little fear piece in me. Cause I remember like growing up too, right? That like every time, you know, I felt like my house was silenced, like, did the rapture happen? And, you know, uh, and I'm, I got left behind, right? Like that, that kind of <laughs> rapture theory fear that lives in every child who's taught it. Um, not that I have that fear now, but um, because I don't know if... Well, that's a whole other conversation, hey. which I know you want to get to. Yeah. But the point being is that, like, yeah, I, I've, I've come to more wrestle with the idea that if I'm going to read um, Revelation as a letter to a church from a pastor who got a revelation from Jesus about how to be faithful witnesses in a crazy turbulent time then all that stuff becomes about discipleship yeah who do I bow down to who am I marked by you know who am I serving who are my gods um because like I would probably argue that like our phones are more a mark of a beast than a chip right like yeah how we are controlled, literally controlled by by like the tech companies behind them. Yes. How the their design, the influence. We I think we've talked about that before here, but how like we're, we're manipulated to yeah, want to totally. be on our phones, right? And yep. we pay through our phones now. We can converse through our phone now. We do commerce and marketing and everything right through a phone. For sure. Um, data and like gone. wearables too. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like, not even stuff that's in our body. It's just stu- devices. We the have. stuff we have, right? Yeah. And so I don't think crossing the you know 
Um, this, the barrier of, of the skin is also going to change that um, because, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just, I've come to realize that I just don't think that that is what this is about. Yeah, there are other political and social, social like issues with the government mandating chips and things like that. Um, that I, as a, you know, less big government guy, would not appreciate. Um, right. You know, and as Christians, I would argue we we champion freedom and autonomy to a point. Obviously, we are mm-hmm. under the King Jesus. So, uh, so yeah. So that so I, I I'm not too worried about the mark of the beast right now. Uh, I would have other issues with with that strategy of politic, um, for other reasons. But for Christians, if we are eternally marked by the blood of Jesus, like that is the mark uh, for us. I think, and again, this is from someone who, like, I'm no expert in Revelation, right? And and I, I don't think anyone's an expert in Revelation um, because it is so highly symbolic. Um, but for what I've read and, and what I've been in, and the different theories that I've uh, that I've had to wrestle with, I do think the best explanation of Revelation is it, it's generally speaking this this letter to properly disciple um a church so they can go into the future because it is a future thing like like the like i said the the judgments that exist the the that spiritual warfare that but that's a whole other one like even the idea of spiritual warfare right like that's probably a better lesson in revelation than the mark of the beast is that the reality of evil spiritual powers at war in the world um that rebel against god like we see it throughout all the bible but it's so explicit in in, in like well really in Genesis and in in Revelation interesting enough right like in Genesis you have like the weird stuff about the Nephilim and the sons of God yeah, you yeah. know coming down and essentially that being spiritual beings who rebelled against the created order to create this like quasi breed of like this kind of like um, weird offshoot of the family of God stuff to the spiritual warfare we see in the Revelation to even Genesis the beginning right where like the serpent just shows up in the garden right that this spiritual being was in the garden with them and god and in you know and other divine beings probably that god made and and then also rebelled and, and this satan the accuser changed it's like all this stuff is going on in the bible all the time we just don't ever really think about it yeah right and then we get to revelation it's just like bam there's dragons and there's people coming out of the sea and there's the mark michael the archangel fighting you know uh the, the <laughs> spirits and it's just it's all over the place and so that might be a bigger lesson for us even today as christians is how much we have tamed the spiritual world um because it because it makes us makes us sound unintelligent in some people's minds right that we believe the spiritual world is real but like to be a theist is to already believe that so i'm just saying like it's not a huge stretch to think that god made humanity he probably made spiritual beings as well we call them angels some of them cherubim or other ones anyways so that's a huge lesson too so recognizing that revelation isn't about john saying okay you know in 20 in 2050 this is what the world is going to look like some it's always russian have you ever noticed that it's always some (laughs) russian antichrist that comes up um every like thing that was probably more a political move on the writers but whatever um and you know that's not what 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 it's ultimately about because even the idea of the antichrist right like um john talks about how there's many antichrist spirits that have come right and working against christ and yes Paul has this idea of the, of the man of lawlessness and and there again it's it's not straightforward I wouldn't say it's as cut and dry as some especially the reform guys like to say it is uh, but it's not I think as dramatized and um, um, 
and what's the right word I'm looking for? And sensationalized as some of the dispensational theologies that that come up. And so, yeah, I'm not I'm not freaking out. This is the end of the end of the world. If it is, I get to be with Jesus to live yeah. as Christ to die as gain. Like I'm gonna try to take as many people with me. And if you don't know Jesus mm-hmm. right now, get on board. Save your you know sins forgiven, life to the full. We're we're about actually to begin uh, the book of John as a church this week uh, of recording this. Um, which John opens up and is like in the beginning was the word and the word you know was God and in him was life bam want to know what life is about no Jesus like that's what it is so will I get a chip I'd resist it but not because I think it's the mark of the beast I'm going to hell because of it um, at least that's where I land right now yeah who yeah. knows but yeah I think I'm with you there um, I so obviously I mean we briefly touched on the rapture a little bit before um, I, I gather if I follow your train of thought with everything else that the rapture isn't something you are super um, into as a, as a you know explanation for uh, for the end times and and what Revelation is saying. Uh, well, the rapture is not even really in Revelation at all, right? That's it comes from the yeah. letters of Paul to the Thessalonian church, um, and so I grew up with deep rapture theology. Obviously, I've re- I read the books, watched the movies, got scared out of my. Yeah, you know, soul for that. That 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 fundamentalist uh, stuff is really hard to untangle, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's just like like I said, like you kind of like, if 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 all of a sudden you wake up or something, right, and like your mom or dad aren't in their bed like they're supposed to be, it's like <laughs> the rapture happened. He yeah, left, left me behind. behind. <laughs> I, I must not have loved Jesus enough, right? And there's always this, like anxiety there, uh, which you know, in some senses, can be used for good. <laughs> to like percolate real passion and like press on to like, I gotta be ready. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I, I would say that the older I've gotten, the more I've thought about it, the more I've looked at theology and, um, and even the, the language that Paul uses and even Jesus, right? Like we believe we confess as Christians, right? That, that Jesus is coming twice, right? Yeah. The first coming was in the incarnation. The second coming is at the end of time. Mm hmm. And, and the rapture kind of puts a third coming in there, right? Where he yeah, kind of comes back half. Like it's like two and a half. It's like, I'm kind of there. I'm going to take the church out and then judge the earth. Um, but so, yeah. So that's why I would I, I question the timeline a little bit because I don't believe in two and a half you know appearances because uh, even in the creeds right it's it's we it's we can we we believe he's coming again to judge the living and the dead like that's kind of what we confess as christians and we know that to be true and um and it does get into like thousand year reign the, the millennial reign of christ is it actually in jerusalem is it on this earth before the redemption of new heavens and new earth is john's vision you know temporal in that sense and so i i do currently currently and i don't know if this gets me in trouble with anyone but uh, like I, I would not subscribe to rapture theology in that proper sense. Um, second coming, judgment of the world, kingdom breaking forth, hundred um, percent. Also, if you hear my kids crying behind me right now, I am at home. Uh, it sounds rapturous. It, it's quite that. And so, so the word that Paul uses in the um, in, in the letter to the Thessalonians is. Um, that that often is the place of the rapture. Um, I've had some Greek scholars, like I I got a really um, great blessing. One of my um, teachers in um, 
in well, I guess it's not seminary, but because I never did seminary technically. Um, in university was a guy named Al Walters, who was just a brilliant linguist. He, um, you know, knew he taught himself Hebrew. He knew Greek, like just super, um, super smart in, in languages. Very great guy. Wrote a couple books actually, which are pretty good. Anyways, and so he was talking about how when he studied this. Um, in in the Greek, the word that Paul uses, and this is not going to be new to some people who've studied this, is that it's a it's it's the word of reception, not leaving. It's it's a word of um, essentially like when a king would come back from war and the people would come to greet him, right? And it would be a parade of coming down. So that's what I believe is going to happen, right? That mm. we will be with him in the air is this reception of the king. It's a very poetic, um, both poetic and literal in the sense. The king has come and the clouds are going to open up. The trumpet will sound. I do think we will hear the sound of heaven roaring um, as that happens. Because at the end of the day, the whole Bible is about that. Like this, people kind of forget. The whole Bible is about God dwelling with his family, the ones he made, us, right? Yeah. Um, and and so we see that in the garden. We see that with God's people. We see that in the, in the, in the incarnation. We see it in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we see it in new heavens and new earth. The whole Bible, the ark of it, is God being with us. Um, and so that's what's going to happen in the time. He's going to come. We're going to hear heaven break in in a new way. He's going to redeem everything. Like new heavens and new earth is going to be like like the earth. It's going to be what Eden was supposed to be if sin never stopped it, right? Because at the end of the day, God says that you know we're supposed to you know uh, multiply, make babies, you know, to create more families, to bring more image bearers, to be the priests of God into the world and extend Eden to the whole world. That was what's supposed to happen, right? Not that we would remain in our, you know, loincloths and, you know, <laughs> like having no tech, because I do believe part of the Christian uh, doctrine of, of creation is that we were given the mandate to create and build, and we would have eventually built cities, and that's why even the future city we see is a city that's coming down. So the point being is that that, that is all going to happen um, at that time and so it's receiving the breaking forth of, of the heavenly and the earth coming together again in Christ fully I think revealed so I would not say that we kind of go from heaven watch the destruction of, of the world I think there'll be a moment of God's return there'll be a moment of of, ju- of judgment and yes by the way like you know Paul talks about the dead in Christ being raised up the dead being resurrected some to judgment and yeah. some to life so like every human being will be resurrected like Jesus was but some you know who rejected God and didn't like will be cast out and some will be given eternal life in the sense of um, the fullness of that we do believe we have eternal life right now in Christ but then he talks about the spirits being released he talks about those spirits that like have been encaged that Christ preached to in the book of Peter that he goes and preaches to these spirits that were kind of chained up. Like so it's gonna be crazy. Like I I don't know how to explain it all. I'm not saying like I, I got it down, but I would not I think the idea of the of the reception of Jesus versus the rapturing of the church um, is how we should look at that. And and because I was racing, I know kind of all the pushbacks of, you know, will the church in Laodicea you know, or not, not Laodicea, that's the wrong church, but one church in Revelations where God says, like, I'm going to keep you from the tribulation or whatever. I, it's probably a local tribulation, not necessarily a grand tribulation. Right. Um, things like that, which which I, I know it's in there. So that's why I'm not saying it's cut and dry. Like, I could be completely wrong. And hey, if Jesus comes and he's like, hey, you're coming with me, and then the world gets judged for sin, like, selfishly I won't complain <laughs> like obviously I don't really that's not really my 
my picture necessarily of how God will do it. Um, although I do know God judges, right? Yeah. And throughout history, has God used plagues? Yes, right? Do I think this plague is a plague of God? No. Um, anyways, that was a long answer to a short question. So That's okay. Yeah, I um, actually, we have a couple more minutes, so maybe there's a little bit of time to, to dive into this. The reason that this is an important question, I think, is that I think it actually affects how you live your life somewhat. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think if you get this theology wrong or twisted, um, it may be more harmful to the kingdom than than not. Like, I think there's certain theologies that um, if there's disagreement on them, it's not, doesn't produce super harmful fruit. I think this is one that maybe does. Um and so, yeah, I just I just wanted to explore that a bit. Like, if do you think there's like a, a real danger to having a hyper literal, hyper fundamentalist view on this? Well, I actually, I would kind of disagree that this is one of those things that I agree and disagree. I agree that the way you think about the end affects how you live in the present. In fact, I don't know when when we're airing this, but if it's after Sunday, I'm actually talking about that on Sunday. Um, So that's true. I do believe that. Uh, But this is one of those things where I think there can be disagreement um, and yet still beautiful fruit because I do rest in the sense that I am not going to make my claim on the future. Right. Like I don't know exactly how it was going to work out. Um, now, I would say the danger is saying, I do know how it's going to work out. Here's what we're looking for. Here's how it's going to happen. Everybody else is wrong, obviously. Because um, at the end of the day, every Christian confesses Christ will come and he will judge. Right? Which that alone should affect how I live. Um, the, the, the one thing that would maybe muddle this a little bit is if you are kind of like the premillennial traditional i guess you would call them more fundamentalist but like even just as a general pentecostal we were taught this so i wouldn't even say it was quite as fundamentalist but whatever um that how basically the world's going to hell in the handbasket so just kind of cling to jesus and wait it out right like yeah. that's obviously has a certain perspective right um because mm. but the, but the thing with that is it's tied to, to bigger things potentially bigger theologies of creation because a lot of that usually is about you know that God's going to burn the world up and like make a new one. Like the the language that that Paul uses for renewal, um, people see more as destructive in that camp usually. So I think that does affect how you environmentally live. Yeah. But if you're someone who believes that the world's actually getting better, um, it's called post-millennialism where, where essentially the world's getting better or all that's, the worst has already happened and whatever, then yeah. you're going to live it a little bit differently, right? So I do think it does affect how you live. I think certain people are wrong in their in their beliefs. Or if you're all millennial and like it kind of just doesn't really matter. Jesus already won, and so we just kind of wait till he comes again. Like either way, I would say the the wrong perspective is a lack of readiness. Like Revelation ends with like Lord Jesus come, right? It's the call, and yeah. I feel like most Christians don't live that way. That's true. Yeah. Like the the good thing about some of that. Um, that tr- more dispensational kind of Pentecostal, you know, um, even fundamentalist Baptist stuff of like if the raptures come in, the end times are here. Is at least it 
it produces a sense of urgency that I find a lot of people don't have, younger Christians don't have. That's true. Um, Because it almost feels weird to pray that prayer, come Lord Jesus, like do it, Mm -hmm. show yourself. But like, that is the prayer of revelation. Jesus come and, 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 you know, burst forth new heavens and new earth. Um, Grown, we're groaning for. And so I do think it, 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 certain theologies will produce a better amount of urgency in the, in the heart of a Christian. But I do think we can fundamentally disagree on how it works out Yeah. at this point. Now, I say that, you know, right before chips are about to be put onto the world. <laughs> and if all of a sudden you're like, no, that's the mark of the beast. And if you have a chip, you're not walking to my church. Obviously, it's going to affect some things. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. right? But then the question at that point, because it, what, what if someone gets saved, right? If someone gets saved after getting that, then what happens? And so I think... Like some of that literal stuff will actually end up affecting relationships in the future, but yeah, um, as long as Christians can be like urgent, I think that's the thing that I'm like. We are not urgent as a generation, right? Yeah, we are very I think complacent. I, I guess like my fear is being urgent in the wrong direction. So I think that's where I've seen this can go. Is that now this instead of urgency about um, you know m- mission and evangelism mm. it's mish it's urgency to protect myself and get as far away from the world as possible because it's all going downhill and i i got to escape this thing alive you know so it's actually well, it's a fear yeah. of your own mortal death you know which is interesting that christians would hold that yeah given that like the inevitability of death yeah the 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 transformation that death is now for us in christ the resurrection right like and that's yeah, and maybe it's, maybe it's a bit of a caricature because I, I just if you tu- if you tune into Jim Baker nowadays, he's on TV selling like, uh, you know, these meal kits that you can keep in your cellar for when the end times hit. You know, okay, so, so but again, what did you just say? Right. We have a guy who's selling stuff. Yes. Well, what drives money, fear and desire? Yeah. Right. Like at the end of the day. You are going to buy things because you want them or because you fear not having them, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, a crude economic statement. But I think it actually is so true. Like That's why, you know, the best marketers tap into what we want, right, and bring mm-hmm. that out. And that's why the best politicians tend to create narratives of fear, right, because it yeah. drives us in certain directions. And so you have a guy who can use the Bible as a weapon to sell stuff. Well, people are going to eat that crap up, right? And and whether you're a Christian or you're the guy punching old ladies for toilet paper, right? Like, it's ultimately the same heart of, like, it's this, what can I control about that, right? And so, like, I I do think that the proper response to the end times is, am I living, am I living like it matters now? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm just challenging that. Like, one of the things that we're, I'm doing an Instagram live tonight um, for the church, updating, whatever, and because I know this will be posted after, I'll say this now, but one thing I'm talking about briefly as an encouragement is the discipline of simplicity. Mm-hmm. That like, we are called not to, you know, have opulent, convoluted, stuffy lives. Like it's, like we're realizing right now what is so essential and non-essential and what is necessary, what, what, what is wasteful. Even, even on a personal level, right? Like, where am I not essential? Right? Like, there's so much stuff yeah. that I'm not essential for, but like, there's a few things that like in my life that I am, like no one can replace me as dad. Yeah. But anyone can replace me as a preacher. 
which is tough for my ego because the egos because the preaching is where I get most of my praise from. Not my kids. My kids aren't saying like, "Great job, Dad!" Right? Um, <laughs> but recognizing that stuff, right? Yeah. And, and and even in our life, that right now, like, how much do we give our life to that really is is an attempt to widen my own kingdom versus be ready for God? Um, right. And and so that's where I'm thinking like we can really dig into that is saying like, what is how are we prepare for that? Because I even even Emily's. Uh, grandfather who who just um celebrated his funeral all over zoom which is or facebook live which is just a nuts idea um one of the things that i remember when i when i talked to him about was is always about revelation but it was never like the the weird stuff it was always like the hunger of being ready of just wanting jesus to come and, and bring his kingdom and um and just that feeling of okay like like you said mission in, in readiness. God, we want you to restore the earth. Like, why would we not pray for that? Yeah. Like, God, put an end to evil. Yeah. Um, come, but we, I, like, I'm, it's almost like a, we want to extend him away because there's more things I want to experience. Yeah. Well, if I actually believe heaven is going to be yeah. what, it, what he says it is, the fullness of life, that like, I don't need, like, I don't need to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But we do. We are convinced that this puddle that we have will be better than the ocean that is coming. And, and it's tough because I know, like, I, I get it and I feel the same way. And I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, what, why am I wasting my time? And I don't want to not enjoy the things God made. The world is good. Ecclesiastes, right, talks about how we need to enjoy what, the gifts of God and, and rest and do all these stuff. And it's all true. But there's part of me that's always like, but am I doing that out of, out of enjoyment for Jesus? Or because I just, like, want to get the most that I can right now as if somehow the future is going to be less than like anyways I'm that's something I'm processing right now but um, but yeah. that maybe is the revelation lesson for us is you know, hunger for justice be urgent about what's important see the discipline of simplicity know that that the spiritual warfare is at work even in your own life like right now like people listening are like spiritual warfare is a real thing which I know again sounds for some maybe crazy but it's just the reality of the scriptures um, and, I, and I'm sure you and I have, could have stories of how we've dealt with that in different ways. Yeah. But anyways, that's kind of the punctuation on my sentence. Awesome. Well, Mike, appreciate it. That was a sermon right there. So uh, hope to see you actually, hope to see you preach on that at some point. Uh, maybe when we get back into Revelation. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I do know one of our uh, young guys who's going to preach for us eventually his first sermon he wants to write on Revelation and being ready. So wow. I'm like, hey, man, you want to tackle that? Okay, let's, let's put it together. Hey, looking forward to it. All right, Mike, you have yourself a good day. You too, Sam. I'll see you soon. See ya.